Hari Om. Today I am going to discuss chapter 5 of Bhagavad Gita. The chapter 5 is a continuation of chapter 4. The chapter 4 I talked about yajnas, the karma yoga on five different levels. The panchakosh, the annamay kosh, the dravya yajna, the pranamay kosh, the tapa yajna, manomay kosh, the yoga yajna, vidyanamay kosh, the swadhyaya yajna. and anandamay kosh jnana yajna chapter 5 shri krishna is talking about the same path of karma yoga but because of arjuna's questions about sanyasa path that is becoming a monk renunciating your family life renunciating your life in the society completely retiring from the material life and going on the spiritual path that is sanyas so arjuna is saying to shri krishna that the path of karma yoga and the state of achievement you are saying as if it's like sanyas is like becoming a monk retiring so then is sanyas better or what you are saying is karma yoga in your day to day life that is better so is karma yogi higher who lives in the family or the sanyasi the monk who has given up everything is he higher what is the difference between these two paths and shri krishna is saying actually these two paths that you think are separate they are not separate they are one and the same the yogi has given up his attachments to the fruit of the action and he has tried to control his indriyas the sensory organs he has tried to control his mind he tried to control and focus his attention on parmatma tattva the atma tattva the consciousness principle the divine consciousness principle and the karma yogi is doing the same to explain this i'm going to tell you a two small stories and these small stories will highlight this idea of tyaga sang parityaga sang is attachments and parityag is giving up on those attachments the first story is this story is actually maybe after bhagavad gita or before bhagavad gita it's not very clear but probably it's before bhagavad gita it's a story of shri krishna and arjun so arjun is asking the same question to shri krishna and asking him what is better to be a sanyasi or to be a householder so shri krishna tells him that i will not answer this question directly but i'll take you on a journey and on the path we will find something that will help you understand this difference so krishna and arjun changes their looks and they don't look like krishna and arjun anymore they just look like any other person so no one could recognize them no one can recognize them so they leave first they come to a kingdom and in that kingdom the marriage of the princess is announced that time in india the marriage for women was more in favor of women empowerment and the women had freedom to choose their husband 
So this princess also also had the choice who she wants to marry. Many people came, many princes came, many kings came because this kingdom, this king was very powerful and rich. So everyone wanted to marry his daughter. Shri Krishna and Arjun were in the audience and they were watching what's happening. The girl went around, this princess went around. She did not really like any of the kings and rich and powerful people there. Then when she was looking in the audience, her eyes were fixed on a sannyasi, on a monk. There was a young monk with powerful eyes and strong energy, positive energy. And she was attracted to him. So she requested her father that she wants to talk to this sannyasi, the yogi, the monk. The monk was invited into the palace and the king introduced himself. The king talked about his kingdom, the king talked about his daughter and then he requested with folded hands to this yogi and sannyasi. He said, my daughter wants to marry you. Please, if you will marry her, you will become the next king. The sannyasi smiled and he said, look, my dharma, my commitment is to my guru's path. And I teach these yoga techniques. And that's it. That is what is my life aim and goal. I don't see any point in me changing that role. I am not wanting to become a king. And marriage is not my path. So he humbly turned down the request. He apologized to the princess. He apologized to the king. And he left. Arjun was surprised. He said to Sri Krishna, look at this monk. Wow, what a great offer he's turned down. So he definitely has very strong willpower and a very deep understanding. I really respect him. I think he's really the one that is higher. Sri Krishna said, don't talk yet. We'll experience few more events such as this. They went. The second part of their story was they came, they went to the forest. It was a deep forest. And they were walking, walking, walking. In the day it was hot. They had to walk a lot. So evening, late evening, they came to a place where they could see a little hut. It seemed like a very poor family hut. And there was some little lamp that was giving a very soft light outside. So they realized that there must be some family there. So Sri Krishna and Arjun both went there. Sri Krishna knocked the door. The door was, was hardly any door because it was such a poor uh, family staying there. A man opened that whatever half door was there. And he was happy to have these guests. He said, oh, welcome. I'm very happy to welcome you both. Where have you come from? Please have a sit. He offered them water. And then Sri Krishna said to this man that, look, we've been traveling for the last two days and we didn't have any food. We're quite, we're very hungry. Now Sri Krishna was aware that this is a poor family and he could hear that there are kids inside. There's a, there was a one lady voice, so he, he figured out that it, she must be his wife. But he still said that. The man 
felt bad that these two are hungry for the last couple of days. So he went in and the conversation was in a very low voice, but still Sri Krishna and Arjun could hear that. And the discussion was, there's a very little rice that was cooked. The kids had their food. These two adults did not eat. So this husband was saying to his wife, says, there are two guests. Let's share whatever food we have to them. The wife said, but you haven't had any food since morning. I can go hungry, no problem. But you should eat because you have a work, you have a tough day ahead tomorrow. The man said, no, look, they haven't had any food for two days and they have come to us as guests. It is our responsibility and dharma, it is our duty to make sure that they, they are getting some food. And she agreed. And the man brought that whatever little rice was to this Sri Krishna and Arjun. Arjun could not eat it because he had heard that conversation and it was hurting him that he is taking a food of a man and his wife who are also hungry for the whole day. Sri Krishna did have that little bit of food. Whatever he gave in return was beyond imagination of this couple. But Arjuna realized that this family is also great. When they finished with that, Sri Krishna asked him, now you tell me, who is higher? Is that sannyasi who sacrificed that kingdom and the princess desires and power? Is he higher or is the couple who again renounced, gave up their desires to save life of you and me. Arjuna could not make a decision. So Sri Krishna told him, sacrifice of your desires and ego is most important. Whether you do that as a sannyasi or whether you do that as a householder, as a family man, both are same. This is the most critical part of Karma Yoga. You move ahead. Shri Krishna makes an argument in chapter 5 that look, even if you take path of sannyas or even if you become a monk, without karmas, there is nothing possible. You will have to do karmas. And these karmas, they bring attachments. Any karma that you bring gives you fruit. And that fruit leads to another karma. And that karma brings another fruit. It's a cycle. I want to go to yoga class. To go to yoga class, to get my good health back, I need a yoga mat. For yoga mat, I need money. For money, I need to work. For work, I need my clothes proper. For my clothes, I need money again. For my money, I need some education. For some education, I, some, I need some money again. So it's like, look, just to go to a yoga class, you need to have education. That's what I proved, right? <laughs> so this is that link. One karma leads to another, to another, to another, to another. 
So the point here is you getting rid of this attachment to the fruit of the action to make you free from this karma and the fruit, karma and the fruit cycle. So this is a cycle that binds us. So Sri Krishna says, Yoginah karma kurvanti sangantyaktva atma shuddhaye. The yogis keep doing the karmas in a karma yoga way for inner purification and getting rid of these attachments. The attachment to this cycle of karma and its fruits. While you are doing this action, another important point that is raised in chapter 5 is a new one. Sri Krishna is saying that when you are doing this karma, whether you are a householder or whether you are a sannyasi, understand, you are doing nothing. If you look at someone, it's your eyes who are watching. If you walk, it's your legs which are walking. If you hear something, it's your ears that are getting this form of energy. So your five sensory organs, your eyes, ears, nose, tongue for taste and tongue for talking and your skin and five motor organs, your arms, hands, your legs, your tongue for talking, urinary organ, excretory organ. So ten, five sense organs, five motor organs, ten together. Their interactions with the outside world, that's what you are. Beyond these ten organs, there's no interaction with the outside world. These ten organs, sensory plus motor, if you understand there is an energy transfer, it's all about energy between these five sensory organs and five motor organs. It's not you. You are just a silent observer, an impartial observer to this. I am not doing things. It's the energy that's acting through me. And where is this energy coming from? It comes from the Paramatma. It's the divine expression. This state of mind, when a yogi starts identifying with then the real Atma Shuddhi and real Karma Sangha Parityag can happen. That non-attachment can develop very quickly. The wisdom of the Paramatma and the Atma comes when we do this. If you look at this Atma as a Karta, the one that who doesn't do anything but he is just a witness, and what makes you do is the prakriti, the energy that is working through you. So now see, consciousness and energy principles are highlighted here in this verse by Sri Krishna. And that you can compare with Sankhya, Purusha and Prakriti. Also you can compare that with Tantra philosophy, Shiva and Shakti. Shiva or Purusha is consciousness. Shakti or Prakriti is energy. So there is this similarity in this philosophy. And further, Sri Krishna gives another interesting example and he says that there are nine gates which connect to Atma. Two, two, four, two, six, that is two eyes, two ears, two nose, uh, two nostrils, six, seventh is your mouth, eighth is your urinary organ and nine is your excretory organ. So these are the nine gates that 
interact with the outside and the information that comes from outside is received or perceived by Atma. But when you are detached, when you are saying, I am not doing it, it's the Prakriti that's acting through me, that Atma starts realizing its own true nature. Otherwise, the Atma is connected with eyes and the Atma identifies with eyes. I am watching it. No, eyes are watching it. I am just there. And this false identification of Atma through these nine gates is what creates Maya for us. I am going to tell you another interesting story as to how things multiply. The story of Shri Krishna and Narad. Narad was a devotee of Shri Krishna. And Narad is one of the immortal beings in the yogic tradition. So this is a story of Shri Krishna and Narad. Shri Krishna and Narad walking one day. Shri Krishna represents the cosmic consciousness and Narad is representing a human consciousness. Walking together, father and son, Shri Krishna and Narad. And then Narad is watching the creation and he is very surprised and very impressed with this beautiful creation of his father, cosmic dimension, cosmic consciousness, Shri Krishna. So there is a very beautiful water stream and water reservoir. So this Narad says to Shri Krishna, it's so beautiful, can I go close and see it? Shri Krishna says, you liked it? He says, yes, okay, go, I'm waiting here, come back. He says, yes, yes, I go, just drink a little bit water and see around and come back. Say, okay, goes down. And he goes down. It's very beautiful. He falls in love. He says, oh, this is so beautiful. He forgets that his eyes are watching it and is the creation of the same cosmic divine being that is inside of him as Atma. He forgets it. So he identifies himself with that beauty. He says, oh, I like this. There comes a very beautiful girl. Says, oh, she is very beautiful again. He starts talking to her. She has a little pot. She says, are you thirsty? He says, yes, very thirsty. She gives him a little water. And he likes that energy of this beautiful girl. They start talking. He falls in love with her. She falls in love with him. He says, oh, I want to be here with you. It's so beautiful. I'm so happy. She says, I am so happy to be with you. Then what? Then they get together. Then they find a little house. Then they have to work for that house. Then in that house they start staying. Then they have a baby because they love each other. Then they have to look after the baby. The, then for the baby to go to school, they need to work even harder. So they start working harder. Then the life gets very stressful. And one fine day, when they are sitting on the bank of this river, a strong water current destroys everything. And he doesn't know where his wife is gone, where his kids are gone, where his house is demolished with that strong flood. And then he starts crying there. Narada is crying. And then, long time, Narada doesn't show up. So, Shri Krishna walks down and he finds Narada 
crying there? He says, hey, what happened to you? Why are you crying? Sir, hey, master, I lost everything. He said, really? What did you bring with you that you lost? Narad starts thinking, say, yeah, you're right. I just came without anything to this water reservoir. So I actually didn't have anything with me. So Sri Krishna asks him, why are you crying? If you didn't have anything, there's no reason for you to cry. This is attachments, how we create att attachments. When I'm born, what did I bring? When I was born, I came without anything. I didn't have any clothes. I didn't have any money. I didn't know about relations. What are relations? I didn't even understand what is a relation. The first relation that I formed was with my mother. I didn't know what it is. I was taught to call her mommy, I, mama, whatever. Ma, mata. Very interesting. Most of the words with mother are from ma, ma. Look at this starting point of my life where I have nothing with me. And when I am going to die, what will I have? No clothes, nothing. No money, nothing. I can't take relationships with me. The relationships come and go. It's a part of life. Money comes and goes. Part of life. The name that you earn comes and goes. The car that you have comes and goes. <laughs> so what do I have? I come with nothing. I go with nothing. This is a very important idea of reality of life. Shri Krishna has given a very interesting example of Padma Patra Ivambhasa. Padma Patra is lotus petal. So Shri Krishna says to Arjuna that while you are working in this life, in this society, be like a lotus petal. While you are doing the karmas, don't be attached to the fruit of the action. On a lotus petal, if you put a drop of water, it doesn't stick to the petal. If you shake the petal, the drop falls off. When the drop falls off, there is no wetness. It doesn't make the petal wet. And this is a very important idea that we should have in our mind. So my mind should be like that. Whatever I am doing, I am non-attached with that. The yogi is like this. I am going to tell you one last story of a yogi and I am going to stop. There was a yogi. He worshipped the god or the divine being, the cosmic consciousness. And the cosmic consciousness, that God came down to him and he said, my dear child, I'm very happy. You have reached me. You have me. Ask what you want. The yogi was very happy. He felt contentment. He felt contentment and he told this God that I don't want anything. 
I am so happy just to know you, just to meet you, just to be with you. I think my life is all fulfilled. I feel complete in my life. But God said, I accept all of that. I appreciate your commitment. I appreciate your non-attachment. I know you have control over your mind, your desires, your body, everything. You are the master. That's why you are so close to me now. But you have to take something because I want to give you something. The yogi smiles and says, look, I am in love with you. I don't have love for anything else. So if you give me something, I, I have no interest in it. I am only interested in you. So please keep it to yourself. I don't want anything. But anyway, nice meeting you. So thank you. He turns around, starts walking. God is surprised, sir. What kind of man is this? I am giving him anything he wants. He doesn't want anything. Wow. But my word, God's word, cannot go down without being complete. So I have to give him something. But I have to respect him also. What to do, what to do, what to do. Then he see that this yogi is walking. And the yogi has a shadow. So the God looks at the shadow, smiles and says, Ah, I can bless the shadow. So I'll keep the word that I have given to this yogi. And I will also keep my word. So the God blesses his shadow. The yogi doesn't know his shadow is blessed. He just is so happy that he met this divine consciousness. Starts walking. As he walks, his shadow also walks with him. The shadow falls on a dead tree. The tree comes to life. The shadow falls on a sick man. The man is healed and he has got his health back. The man tells his friends, Hey, this yogi has amazing powers. He, can, he healed me. Wherever he walked, I could see flowers, fruits to the plants, animals happy. I think he has fantastic energy. People start experiencing it. So they say to Yogi that you are such a great person. Thank you for coming here. Yogi says, I am not someone great. Because he doesn't know his shadow is blessed. So he says, if something is good happening with you, it must be that divine consciousness. It must be that Paramatma. It must be that Parabrahma who is bringing this positive experience to you. Because I am nothing. I am a very small part of this cosmic so he doesn't believe that he has blessings. But people think he has blessings. Only the Paramatma, the God knows what is the truth. This is non-attachment on the part of Yogi. He just becomes a channel. He just becomes an instrument in the hands of the Divine. So his karmas reflect the cosmic will. When we empty ourselves, when we become selfless, when we get rid of our desires, when we start controlling our mind, not suppressing, not expressing, controlling, managing in the most positive way, we reflect the Swadharma. The Swadharma reflects in our mind the right thing to do, the duty, the right karma for me. And that right karma represents dimension of divine. So I'm going to stop here. Hari Om.